man how's it going man it's been a great week you know that i've been yeah just relaxing kind of here and there work has been going great got a big meeting on tuesday and i was thinking about you know different things and one of the things i thought about was you know business has changed a lot in the last 20 some odd years since my life you went from having you know the big brick phone to now we have a phone that's like more computing power than what we use to go to the moon right or how about how about rolodexes i don't even know what that is exactly so a rolodex was this giant file folder for business cards oh i know what you're talking about you found the card you were looking for how we put all that stuff in our phones you remember speed dials oh i still try to speed dial every now and then <laughs> and like how, who was the priority like was oh, yeah, status symbols and everything <laughs> the fave five man you know back in middle school that was the thing oh yeah i rem- i that was my high school that was not middle school for me but because of all this a buddy of ours from college uh is actually started a youtube channel on this Mm -hmm. and i said you know what why don't we bring him in and to talk about this and so i would like to welcome our guest uh seth nets how are you doing good how are you doing john uh doing pretty good so i was you know looking we contacted over linkedin and everything because that's where i saw you did your channel and all that and I was like, okay, let's do this. So I, I wanted you to come on and looking over your resume, I see that I won't mention the name of the company, but you work for this company that does over tens of millions in sales. I know it does millions, maybe tens of millions in sales every year. And you run, I think it was like the back end of like the call center and the website or whatnot. Like explain exactly what you do for that company, would you? Sure. Yeah. I like to, uh, uh, explain it different ways. A simple way to put it is I like to talk to people, hear about their struggles, their pain points, and then help find technology solutions to those. So I, mm-hmm. my daily life is you know meeting with people, seeing what their needs are, and then researching software to, to meet them. So it's a fun job. So okay. can you can you go a little bit more specific and give like an example of your day to day? Sure. So. So, you know, once I meet with a client and, and we talk through the different pain points, then we would actually go look at vendors and score them. So I would say, all right, so you need a, trying to think of an example here. You need a new CRM, let's say. So a CRM is a customer relationship management system. Mm-hmm. It's a way, it's like a contact book for a business to, to keep track of your contacts. So if you right. wanted to implement a new one, I would I would talk to you and say, hey, what's your your key drivers, what are the pain points? Maybe currently you're keeping your contacts in, in your cell phone and you want to be able to do more. So I would talk mm-hmm. with you, say, hey, John, you know, what do you want in your CRM? So you can you can give me an answer and I'll, and I'll go off of that. Like how to do customer acquisition? Uh, I mean, for us, it would just be, we would let out to YouTube or whatever to be like, hey, send it out to different people because we're just two dudes putting out a podcast talking to people we think right. are interesting. If I was Absolutely. running a business, so let's let me do this a little bit more. So my dad built uh, decks for a living, and so he would do a kind of a blunt force method where he had his supplier. They would have people come in and say, "Oh, we need this deck built," and they would give out recommendations, and that's where he got most of his business. So with that, you know, he had to manage all that and going through all this stuff. Everything was written down. So what would you recommend for somebody in that position? So someone that's doing um, that type of work where you're actually going out and servicing people, mm-hmm. whether you're going out and building decks, uh, doing plumbing, um, doing any kind of service work, there's actually tools specifically for industries like that. So like mm-hmm. a CRM focused on service would have things like um, it would actually, I guess in your dad's case, he probably didn't do multiple decks in a day. But if someone was doing like multiple different appointments in one day, Mm-hmm. It could help them like route out their path to go to different people in the, in the most efficient route. Um, in, in the basic sense, it would still allow him to keep track of all of his leads and contacts. Um, but there's different uh, nuances based on the industry you're in. So, Oh, I can my, imagine. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say my podcast, I'm kind of hitting a general, you know, group of people and then mm-hmm. narrowing it 
<laughs> narrow it down. Yeah, it was it was watching your the two videos I believe you put out. Like they're 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 great in terms of general information, but I was wondering like more specific. So like what was like more you say like where do you think you can go in terms of like more specific knowledge? Like what things like about cybersecurity that, you know, I Joe Schmo, I know a little bit. I I know that HTTPS is more safe than HTTP, but that's about it when it comes to like security and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm, my vision for it is to, for my, for my podcast is to talk and start interviewing with people that are a lot smarter than I am. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of a, I don't know if you've heard of the term like a T-shaped leader um, where you have your, you know, your one area there you're kind of deeper in. And then you've got a bunch of areas across the top that you know about, mm-hmm. like you're talking about HTTPS versus HTTP. Um, so I've got a lot of areas in technology from my five or six years in that career that I, I know about, but I, I wouldn't say, for example, in cybersecurity that I'm a, a really deep knowledge person. Um, but I know some people that are. So my goal is to kind of interview mm-hmm. all these different experts in the different areas and even experts in different industries. So like if your dad was focused on um, building these different decks, I could talk to him and say, hey, for, for someone in your industry, what are the tools that you have used and try to help people that are getting into that industry, you know? Right, because I know with us being podcast, we are similar to a small business in, in some regards. So uh, one of the things that we were talking about off air before you got on was we were kind of discussing what were some of the tools that a podcast like ours mm-hmm. would make use of when we watched your video and you gave certain examples like company email domain and things like that a website i was like you know hey maybe that's something we could look at getting is definitely a company email structure mm-hmm. where we communicate back and forth between emails or even a domain website because one thing about podcast is merchandising. Mm-hmm. Once you get big enough, people are going to want to buy unapologetic t-shirts and ball caps and stuff. Well, you can't just sell that on the corner. You have to get a website where people can go in and place orders. So I feel like getting somebody in our pocket that we ha- mm-hmm. we can go to just like you're saying, sitting down with somebody who's smarter than you. That's one of the reasons why we wanted to bring you on is because we kind of want to glean some of that knowledge from you on what tools are out there for a business like ours. I don't know if I can count myself smarter than you guys because you've been doing this longer, but... Not um, really. We're we're very new. <laughs> but we're, yeah, I'm, we're I'm still learning different tools. <laughs> yeah. No, so something I haven't told RJ yet is it is in the works that we are getting a website. We're going to be, we, a buddy of mine built me a website for my science channel, which is kind of on hiatus. And I told him we're going to convert it into the podcast website. Uh, I was not wanting to talk about this much because we got to sit down and do it. Um and hopefully well, sometime in the near future i am surprised i didn't tell you i this is no you're hearing it for the first I time surprised. <laughs> here i was thinking we talked about everything <laughs> well so i want that experience you know i could give interview you all and see what you're uh you know the best way to do that okay yeah so with him he's a guy who is doing not software engineering, but kind of like he, he's like wanting just, he spends like his entire night's coding. So he'll come, we'll, we'll come on to like discord and we'll have a conversation. And while we're talking, he's going to be coding and for him. So he's in Sweden and it's like four or five in the morning when he's doing this. So he'll say some crazy things. At least he says they're crazy. Some of them are, in my opinion, some of them aren't, but um, yeah. what, uh, Either way, he was like he was literally telling people like I want to challenge myself and do different things. And so it's not like a WordPress thing. Like he's hard coding in I think it's what is it? HSL or something like that. I can't remember. HTML. 
I'm thinking of it. I think it's in HTML. And he's like, yes. And he was showing me the code and everything. I'm like, I understand it. But if there's ever an issue or anything like that, I have no idea how to fix that. I mean, I just I just learned today that computers have a language. They were just in English. That's true. Apparently, yeah, probably lots of languages. <laughs> well, what did you call it, John? Binary? Okay, so the very basic of computing is a signal on or off. So it's a zero or one. That's binary because it's two different options. That's why it's called binary. The matrix? Yes. And then on top of that, on top of that, there's like levels upon levels upon levels of languages to the point where you probably, you may or may not have heard this term, but it's called low code or no code where you can almost drag and drop to make code. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a trend right now that if you guys are logical, you could probably figure it out even if you don't know any code. Yeah, because like with coding, I've done a little bit. I've done a little Python uh, R, which I know people are going to immediately say is not a code. It's it's a program, which I get it. Um, But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to code. I don't know. My, my closest thing to ever coding was MySpace. Did you customize your page and make it look yes. cool? Yes, yes. Have the music <laughs> playing when you go to it. Right, right. where you go in <laughs> and you copy that, that little part. You are such a boomer. You had a MySpace account? Who didn't back then? It was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it would open up the page and it would be camouflage and it would play Country <laughs> Boy Can Survive. You do realize that I... Like when I was in high school, Facebook was still cool. I realized when I was in high school, Facebook was invented. Oh six? Oh four to 06. I graduated 06. Okay, I did not know this man was such a boomer. Good to know. Yeah. Like I probably was Mike Michael Zuckerberg was probably my neighbor's babysitter or something. Mm-hmm. So, Seth, um, I know you were doing a lot of programming back in school. Was that your major? Yeah, my undergrad was, it started out in just like a generic computer science degree, mm-hmm. which is more programming heavy. And then about, I think it was after the first year, I switched it, just tweaked the major to be more business oriented. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of kept following that path. I programmed for a year and a half for my job. And then I was like, I don't want to program all day. I want to work more with people. So... That's when I got into my role that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. I feel like programming, if I'm going to be honest, is for people that are really smart but don't want to deal with other people. That tends to be the stereotype, yep. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, with... uh, Let's see here. So, with your particular, like, podcast and everything, what is your area of expertise? Let's go there to start. I like to say it's, it's where business intersects with technology Mm -hmm. so it's right at that you know you might be in business but you don't know anything about tech or you're really a geek but you don't know about how the business works how to you know increase margin how to get a good return on your investment so because i have an undergrad in it Mm -hmm. uh, an it you know degree and then a a master's in business just general business um, that allows me to kind of use vocabulary from each and try to Mm -hmm. you know make it similar simple for both groups so that's my goal is and your undergrad and MBA, are they from the same institution? They are, yes. Very nice. Yeah. So nice. we'll see. I, I'd like, um, I, the thing that's is challenging for me is to not use jargon, you know, that's specific <laughs> to different areas. You know, every area has its own jargon, whether it's yep. gaming or technology or business. So that's something I'll have to keep watching. I'm sure I've already used a ton of it. Um, but I'm working on that. So I don't think we ever talked enough for me to get into like what I was doing, everything. I was biology. I'm getting my PhD right now. I, I know we mentioned that in text and we are the jargon Kings. Okay. Like you want to talk about jargon. I, I disagree. Oh, you want me to? No, I disagree that you're the jargon Kings. Okay. Why do you say that? Who's who's more jargon heavy? 
my original major was? Uh, teaching? No, my original major. Oh, where you were standing up there in a pulpit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is jargon. <laughs> no. Today we're going to talk about the ecclesiastical and eschological studies of the Bible. <laughs> yes. What? That's jargon. I will still... So, I grew up with... My dad was a preacher as well as building decks and everything like that. We won't get into the religion side of it anything. We're just saying personal history. And I will tell you, I I knew stuff. Like I you learn stuff when you your dad's that. You you know, there's no getting out of going to church, obviously, and all that. But basically, I knew all of that and I hung around some of the of y'all, like y'all studying to be pastors and all that stuff. And I will say I like some of y'all. Some of y'all were doing it because it was glitz and glamour, to be honest. I, I still don't know which side I'd put you in. Um, it was all glitz and glamour. <laughs> um, but anyways, I would still contend that we are 100% the jargon kings. We have so much jargon that this is what will happen. So you have two fields. You have cancer biology, You know, people studying cancer and how it operates and everything like that. Then you'll have another field and they use the same uh, like phrase. So let's say par, P-A-R-R, okay? So in my field, that means something completely different than everyone else in a field that's basically like three degrees of separation away, okay? okay? Like, trust me when I say this, if you're talking jargon wars, there's literally a massive, massive, uh like collide that just occurred in the people who study like different kinds of bacteria because they change the names again so there's always this debate on the names the names have been changed of that particular species like three times have been changed in the last like 100 years huh they have a committee that says this bacteria known as ika waka waka is now going to be called ika waka naka exactly species complain about their name or what right so there's certain so there's certain things like certain species were named what they were named even though they're not actually like that particular organism um the most famous one in terms of like what people would know is what's called shigella and isteria coli or e coli these are organisms that cause um like the um, food poisoning is the most common example their shigella are actually identical to e coli they're basically the same thing the only difference is shigella have a toxin it's it's called shigella because it's like the japanese word for cut and i believe the japanese were the one who found out who originally found it um but both of these or but both of these bacteria are basically the same almost, except for one has the toxin, one doesn't. There's no difference between them really beyond that. Except for like because she gotta have the toxin, they're generally uh, more dangerous to people than E. coli, although E. coli can, you know, cause food poisoning and a bunch of other things. Right. So not to get too deep into this, but I do have to ask. Mm-hmm. Do they like name the bacteria after stuff from like pop culture? No. Ah, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me back up. So, germ. It depends. So, there's this famous story. I don't remember the name of it. Of a guy studying the paras, the uh, flesh-eating parasite. Not to get too gruesome and anything like that. And he named it after his wife. It's kind of funny. Yeah, she was not happy. I can imagine. She was not happy at all. Was um, he trying to do it as like a honorary thing because <laughs> he discovered it or what? Yeah. So when you discover something, you can you can name it whatever you want within certain bounds. So with organisms, you have to name them after Latin. Like it has to be a Latin name or Latinized name. And there's a bunch of whole different things that I'm not going to get into. When it comes to like different proteins and genes, like there's a gene named after Sonic because of how of electrical impulses and like how fast it goes. Like Sonic the Hedgehog. 
There's also other ones called, there's a boss gene. There's multiple boss genes, actually. There's multiple boss genes. There's late, there's old, there's young, there's tin. There's there's so many different ones. Any word you can think of has probably been the name of a gene that's not a um, uh, profanity. It's been name. It's been the name of a gene, most likely, or will be. It's interesting. Yep. So there's Speaking like of genes. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. Speaking of genes, have you guys heard anything about hooking a uh, chip or something into your brain to control devices? <sighs> that it sounds cool. That sounds stupid. So, okay, let me break this down from. No, 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 no. Let me break this down for you. If you're someone who deals with a neurological disease, what a neurological disease is, is you take something like um, Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or something that deals with your brain activity, sending signals through the rest of your body. That makes a lot of sense because they've done this where they've taken Parkinson's people. So that's where you're like, you're shaking or whatever. And unless you're like, so if you're holding something, you can actually hold it. But if it's just sitting there, you're shaking. You uncontroll, some people uncontrollably. They put there's I'm not sure if it's actual implants in their brains or what exactly, but they have done it where uh, people have gotten it and it stops it completely because it sets the signal properly. So those kind of things make sense. But if you're going to tell the average person, we're going to put a chip in your brain that requires major invasive surgery, probably the most invasive in surgery there is without removing a limb. No, that's 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 in, that's insane. That's insanely what crazy. Can you do with it. You drive uh, a car and talk on the phone with it. So what? My well, phone if you connect, do? if you connect that with virtual reality or augmented reality, um, where you're you know getting rid of different devices that we use today, like keyboards or uh -huh. whatever. So that would get the uh, the virtual reality, augmented reality would get rid of your physical screens and devices. Um, the plant in the in the head will allow mm -hmm. you to input things without a device. I mean, it'd be a device, but you know. So I'm going to be one of these. So just so people understand, virtual reality is when you put like something over you and you're in a different reality. Yeah. Um, augmented reality is when you put something on and then they add something to your current environment. So. I'm sitting in my room. If I put on a VR headset, I'm anywhere else. That's virtual reality. Augmented reality is they're adding something to my room, to my current environment. I do not think these technologies have any use beyond museums and stuff like this. I'm actually a very big downer on these techs. So my thing with virtual reality is besides gaming or you know museums, amusement parks, like niche... They're ve it's very niche, in my opinion, because, okay, you put the chip into your brain. Well, they've already tried this with Google Glass, and people hated Google Glass. It got shelved, like, what, in six weeks? Six months? Yeah. Google was way ahead of the game when they came out with that. Like, nobody had use yeah. cases to actually use it for. Now, with COVID, there's a lot of different use cases where, in an office, you have a sense of presence, right? You're collaborating around a whiteboard, doing different things. Mm -hmm. And people didn't have that when they were remoting in, but with Microsoft is investing tons of money into this right now. Mm -hmm. They have systems that allow you to essentially, you know, it's spatial audio. You know, when someone's mm -hmm. to your right, you can collaborate on a, you know, around the table, move files around, all in virtual reality. So mm -hmm. you know, and then you then there's also use cases where, if you had augmented reality, you could actually save hundreds of thousands of dollars on the um, not producing things like monitors, things like um, uh, there's a keyboard concept where you can just tap on your you know, table and it mm -hmm. presents a keyboard right there. So you would essentially only have to buy one device and all of your, you know, as many monitors as you want would be virtual. Your computer would be in your device. So it would remove the need for all of that technology. That is some Iron Man tech. It's here. I want it. Just expensive. It's extremely expensive. So okay. monitors it right looks, now. It's more accessible. It gets cheaper, right? Facebook, Google, yeah. Microsoft, Snapchat, they're all working. Yeah. On, so I know like, so Snapchat. I know Snapchat. 
having all those screens mm-hmm. just appear. You could check your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, watch a TikTok simultaneous. So I'm very much like, for me specifically, I'm very much opposed to these texts because I see it. I see these texts being very niche outside of very specific things. So, are you guys for? Uh, let me give an example. Are you familiar with Hyperloop technology? Yep. No. Okay. So what a Hyperloop is is it's probably the fastest way we know to travel from one destination to another but it is so incredibly difficult to make it properly that it's never been usable. So basically you make a tube where you put a pod or a train or whatever. And because it's in an enclosed environment, it can go extremely fast, extremely fast, like faster than bullet train. I think they were saying like LA to New York was like two hours, maybe three hours at most. Like it was very, very quick. The issue is it can't, it's not flexible. You can't go up, you can't it's go like, down, you can't go side to side. That's not too far on, on airplanes. No, but an airplane goes up, goes know, down, it's, it's, goes around. Time. Yeah. So, uh, no, it is faster because a plane ride from LA to New York is like six hours. Because from it- here to Charlotte's three. Here to Charlotte is three hours. I've done that flight. I flew from Chicago to LA. It was like two hours. No, I guarantee you it's not. I guarantee you that wasn't. Let me look it up right now. So I'm going to look up kayak.com. So kayak is. I was on my honeymoon. Uh We did not even get through a bottle of champagne before we landed. First off, you you and I both know what, what, what state you were in. From that whole theory. Are you sure you're not misremembering? Not my fault. Okay. So I'm going to look up right now just flights from Chicago to uh, Los Angeles. Let me know. Um, place your bets. Place your bets. I think it's three hours. So, Seth, how long do you think the flight is? I'm horrible at uh, geography, my wife tells me. So I'm not going uh-huh. to make a guess here. So I'm scrolling on kayak right now. What is the fastest flight you think there is? You're saying three hours? Going for for three hours still. What do you got, Seth? I'm sticking to three hours. You're sticking to three? going from from where to where? Chicago, a direct flight from Chicago to LA. Four sets answers. I'm going to say six hours. Hmm? Are we counting time zones? Yes. Okay, that changes things. Because, duh. Because of time zones. I'm saying the hours taking from getting in the plane, taking off, and getting out. Here's what I mean. Two o'clock in Chicago. Uh Uh-huh. Going to... L.A. L.A., California. Uh Uh-huh. You're going to get there in like three hours, but it's going to take six hours. It other way around. You're Take saying from hours. LA to Chicago, you'll lose t- you'll lose two hours. You gain two hours if you go from Chicago to LA. Right. So it's still three hours. It's not three hours. Three hours. It's not. I'm looking at all the flights right now. So the the make sure the time zones. No, no, no. It's not counting that. So there's two different sets of times here. There's the set of time where it says the boarding to the takeoff time to the arrival time. Okay, that's not what I'm looking at here. They give you the exact amount of in-flight hours. Okay? So So you're not counting layovers at all? No, this is direct. This is direct. So a direct flight from Chicago to LA on average is looking at about four and a half. Fastest is about four-ish. Fastest. From L.A. to Chicago, it's just under four. So the average is looking at about 355. The ones I'm seeing are about 353. So like I said. Four hours. Four. Four hours. And then there's the time zone changes. No, I'm not counting the time zone changes. 
Oh, I'm not. They count the time zones. No, they're not. They're not. I'm looking at this. Okay. Anyway, beside the point, <sighs> let's get back to the real issue. Which is? The real issue is the fact that this guy's a boomer. Doesn't want the future. No, that's what I was saying with Hyperloop technology, okay? Hyperloop technology has been around since the 1920s, like almost. It's been around forever. No one's ever used it because it's not usable. It doesn't actually work. The whole idea of a car boat, a boat that is a car, is absolutely absurd. The same thing with a boat plane. Sorry, a, a plane, not a boat plane. A plane? plane car. In plane the 60s. No, it's not. It's actually incredibly stupid. Let me explain why. So... A plane car acts oh. like a plane on the ground and a car in the air. It does not work well. It's not like James Bond where the whole thing shifts because we don't have that kind of money and tech and everything. With a boat car, the reason why it doesn't work is because it acts like a boat on land and a car in the water, which you don't want. Well, yeah, because the car is going to flood underwater. That's beyond the point. Like, the way it drives, the way it goes over. Like, these techs, like, boat cars and plane cars have existed since well over the 60s. There's video of, I think it's Nixon or LBJ, like, taking a car that was a boat car right into the water and then just going because it's a boat car. Here we go. What's and wrong with that? Because it doesn't work. Well, it worked for LBJ. Yeah, and, he, and we could get into why that's that's a whole nother thing, but we won't. Um, but I'm just saying here, I'm going to sit here and say, I believe the barrier to entry on this stuff, because Facebook's going big into virtual reality. And Facebook knows, so Facebook knows that their audience is over 50. They know it. Instagram is obviously, you know, you're 15 or even 10 to 35. You say over 50? Yeah. The average. 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 So what you're telling me is Facebook is dead? Yes. Oh. Yes. Beth, come on. Is Facebook dead? Uh, It's been renamed. Well, the overall company has. It's still the, the social media is still well, Facebook. Well, yeah, social media is still Facebook. Uh, Facebook, I'm told it's dead, but I don't think the company's anywhere near dead. No, not the company concept so it's like my so the thing with facebook is if you look at the average user in the states it's very very old very very old uh like i left facebook in 2016 have i've gone on the site a couple times if i needed to look up certain things but other than that i i avoid it i just don't go up it the there's literally a ranking on age so Facebook is for the oldest people, generally speaking. So anywhere, the average is anywhere between like um, 30 to up. The next one is Twitter, which generally is more of your upper middle class social elites, at least in the U.S. Um, then you have Instagram, YouTube's kind of all over the place, and TikTok is for the youngest people. So basically what you're telling me is that I hit all the demographics. Yes. I'm on the Facebook, the TikTok, and the Insta. Yes. And I've seen your photos, and I'm not impressed. Dang, cold-blooded over here. Um. Anyway, so you're saying that these texts will be used in businesses and everything. Do you think they'll ever get them to a price point that it's worth replacing all the equipment in businesses like you're not a fang company so you're not facebook amazon etc 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 but you're a you know like let's say you're you're a decently sized small business so you know you have over a million dollars in revenue which is really not that much if you have more than 10 employees and you're saying they'll be able they'll they will get to the price point cheap enough to where people are going to start going with virtual reality like glasses or whatever tech or even aug or augmented reality you think that's the future i think they're either going to bring the price down so it'll be part of that and it'll mm -hmm. also be companies building out use cases for the tech because right now it's still pretty immature the different software solutions mm -hmm. but just think of like okay how much do you pay for a nice you know dual monitor like i've got a dual monitor mm -hmm. at my work 
I've got a sit stand desk, for example. Yep. Um, I've got a mouse, a keyboard. I'm trying to think of other technology that I would use. We probably have a TV or a you know mm-hmm. um, a touch board, different places. All of those devices cost money that could be reutilized for something else. So that I mean, if you if you the more use cases you build for you know a VR product, the more money you have to spend on it, right? Mm-hmm. The more things you can replace. So I think as developers get into developing tools for those devices, they'll you know become more and more utilized. Uh, but I do think obviously economies of scale, the more you you uh, produce the cheaper the cost goes and all that. Mm-hmm. So, because obviously this is a case of like cell phone. Cell phone used to be you call people. That was it. Like it was such a big deal, but still it was really expensive for just calling. And then you added texting. Well, texting was really expensive. Like RJ, you probably remember the day when you had so many texts in a month and you had to make decisions on who you this texted guy. and everything. This, this guy. This what? guy. John, I remember when you had to pay a penny per message. It wasn't a dollar? No, it was a penny per message. Or was it per character? I don't remember. It wasn't per character, that's for sure. I didn't have a job. I had a father who was paying all the bills. (laughs) I remember $1,000 phone bills, okay? (laughs) You remember the initial, I think it was the iPhone or maybe it was one of the iPod Touches. But it was this big announcement by Steve Jobs, and he's like, so we have a device that can store your music, and then you can look at websites, and there's one other thing. He like made a huge deal about it. I guess it was phone uh, messages. Probably the first and, iPhone. Yeah, it was probably the first iPhone. And it was like, it can do three things in one. Right, because my dad came home. Dad came home, and he goes, hey, everybody downstairs, I need all your cell phones. Took all our cell phones, put them on the table. I need all your iPods. Laid it on the <laughs> table. This man takes a hammer and goes, don't need these anymore. I was like, what? He goes, the iPhone. It does all of those. Uh, we ran upstairs and plugged our computer, plugged them into our computers, downloaded all of our, uh, our illegally pirated music. No, no, no. We obtained all of our legally obtained legally music. obtained music yeah don't we do not advocate piracy on this channel no yeah piracy will get you uh locked up in the brig yep or at the very least you'll you'll probably get a virus from clicking on the wrong thing on one of those sites so that's what happened to my computer no we know what happened to your computer but we can't talk about that on air do what did, did, you say you get, did your dad get a sales uh commission from apple for his loyalty i don't i don't know i just know that 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 he's had every generation of the iphone ever since wow so did he start with the first one all right i'm gonna date myself a little bit real quick since we're talking about first text okay i remember the first time i saw a cell phone that had color what because the original cell phones did not have color a green and black screen like a calculator. What? And then my dad came home and it was like 2003. And he goes, Hey buddy, I want to show you something I'm like what? He pulls this, this new phone out, opens it up. And it's a picture of our family and it's in color. And I lost my mind. <laughs> Did your dad have a uh, personal uh, PDAs? PDA. He had three of them. Sounds like I was he was the would. only kid in high school. I was the only kid in high school who had a PDA. Were those gone pilot. by the time you were that age? Me? I, yeah, I had PDAs, but maybe that's because I was a geek growing up. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody about that the other day. I was because uh, I was like, you used to have this thing called a Palm Pilot, and yep. she goes, "Why were you a were you a '90s businessman?" I was like, "No, I played games on it." <laughs> Yeah. I used to play this game that was called Bike or Die. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. Yep. And the coolest thing about it was, I think you had to buy it, but you could actually draw with your little stylus the route that the bike would, would ride on. That was so fun. So you create your own mm-hmm. course, then you try to ride it. Mm-hmm. Brilliant oh, yeah. game. 
No, I oh, think yeah. for me, the thing that will date me is I remember when my dad had to print out MapQuest. Yeah? He had to print had it to out. Do that. I had to do that up until 2010. So I'm not sure. I actually want to know this experience for y'all. So I remember learning about Google Maps for the first time. I remember learning about Google Earth for the first time. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Is so we were you, we were actually learning Google Earth. This was like oh six or seven somewhere around there, and yeah. we were all going nuts over the fact that we could go to our house, see oh wait look that's our car right there. You know that's my parents' car or whatever like this, and we could see all of that. And yeah. you know people who are you know your kids today just take that for granted. About the fact that Google Earth hasn't updated in 15 years. No, they update it every year. Uh, then they do a crappy job in our neck of the woods. No, that's because you, you have Google the iPhone Earth version. My parents' house. Well, if you Google Earth my parents' house, it's the same cars that we were all driving in 07. <laughs> all right, one second. Let me look to see if this is the case for where I lived. Because I remember, like, it was, we went to, we had a field trip, and there was a computer there. And we went there, and we were all just mystified. Like, absolutely mystified. At Google Earth. He got to go to Google Earth. Your dad? No, no, you. Oh, yeah. It's like you got to go to the headquarters to the computer of Google Earth. No, it had it. So I'm gonna, I'm going to off screen for the viewers. I'm going down to where I used to live and see this. Uh, if it's the same or not, I bet you it's not. I bet you it's not. But, anyways, what do you think? Um, what do you think is the next big tech that business people are gonna use? Because I feel like tech people have this problem where they'll take glasses and they'll just have this conundrum where they're like, we could change this completely and make it completely useless. Like, let me give an example. So I'm not sure if you've heard of this. It's a big thing in San Francisco where there are doors uh, for like a cooler. So you go to a gas station or a convenience store and where you would just have a transparent glass where you could see Oh, Coke here, Pepsi here, Dr. Pepper, da-da-da-da-da, all of that stuff. And what they would have, what they did changed it to is now it's a screen showing you different options that are there. Not the transparent glass, but a screen. And it seems like to me that that's kind of like, oh, we're going to put a TV instead of glass. The sake of a TV. You know the value of that, though? If they, depending on how they set it up, you could potentially use that device i mean the screen part yeah i don't know if this would be part of the value Mm -hmm. but having sensors in there where you could tell the stock you know of your whole store from one place and then Mm -hmm. automate the um, inventory management so say you have three cokes left when someone buys a coke takes it off the shelf your machine goes ding 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 two cokes we need to order another pack of 10 because we know it's going to take three days to to get here and on average people buy two cokes a day like so they could essentially automate the store i don't know that's just one use case but i don't know if yeah that, well the question is do like, you save like the question is do you save enough money automating and keeping stuff in stock versus someone manually going over there and doing inventory good question because and when you have a human involved there's always human error so you mm-hmm. have to factor that in too devices tend to be better at consistency than than humans unless they have a bug or a, you know something happens. yeah which i mean i do agree but at the same time the way i view it i don't think this is necessarily the case like because at the end of the day like you know whatever the the general wage is going for a place like you're gonna say okay we're gonna have a manager or whatever you know person's job Go in, you do inventory. Okay, well, people are differing levels of how well you do that job. I have to do inventory where I work, where if something runs out or gets close to running out, okay, I have to reorder it. Like, like I set up a whole system for that. It's I say I set up a whole system. I literally made a Google Doc. And 
That way people can know, okay, I've ordered this or not ordering it. For us, it would absolutely not be worth it. But that's where special use case. If you're talking a store, right? I, I guess like, like, sorry, go ahead. I'm going to say now, I, I, I really don't talk too much about my profession. Mm-hmm. But what I do for a living, inventory, easily a $6 million store six million dollar uh box business store yeah business at least once a year mm-hmm. so for me that automation would be game changing because we currently where i work we currently have a system similar to like what you were saying seth where we know we have three we know there's a three-day layover the moment one sells mm-hmm. it begins and places the order so that by the time the both the other two sell the three days have passed and the deliveries come in. But going back to that human error, that's one of the biggest concerns that we have is human error. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we think we can do better than the machine. Now, I'm really going to sound like I'm contradicting my own stance on the future here. Mm-hmm. But automation isn't always the right answer either because our company has developed a brand new automated system where our system now says if you haven't sold a coca-cola for example in three days what it does it just automatically drops your on hands to zero and reorders you an entire stock shelf despite what you already have physically on the shelf Sounds like bad automation, so, though. <laughs> that's bad automation, right? Because you're already sitting on six million dollars, and if it doesn't, if it isn't kept in check, you easily can start to grow to seven, eight, nine million dollars. And when you start having to try to count nine million dollars on a six million dollar bulk, three million dollars goes up missing. Somebody's in trouble. So the thing I will say is it also depends on the scale of the company. So where this, I think, works is a small store, like, you know, convenience store, gas station, whatever, in something, you know, like a big box store, let's say Target, for example. That's not the store RJ works at, but for example. If you're saying, okay, you have, let's say, a 1,000, there's probably more, a 1,000 different Target locations in the country, and that thing makes a mistake on average, um, you know, let's say $10,000 a year, which is probably nothing. Um, that's a lot of money very quickly. It's probably more like 10 grand a month in issues with automation. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like with me, with this whole idea of automating, uh, like the automation game, I feel like, there's a point where it just becomes not efficient for a business to do this. And if it's not more efficient than having a person, they're going to keep the person. Right. So it's a question of when it, what is, what is makes sense for our business mm-hmm. and you know, like cost effectiveness, like these automatic registers, they kind of did get rid of people, but they also didn't cause they're still employees at the automated registers. Mm-hmm. Like, um, different big box stores obviously do it differently. And then of course you have the Amazon, the, the Amazon go stores, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with this RJ, but like, it's a completely, uh, self, uh, servicing store almost. The only thing that happens is I think there's people come stack it. Have you been in those? I, there, there hasn't been one where I've lived now. I was in Los Angeles last year, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, there's an Amazon, whatever it's called." I forget what Amazon the term Go, is, I think, is what it's called. Yeah, yeah I think it was. Yeah. Um, there's a couple different variants, but so I went in there. You get your, you know, smart cart. You sign in, I think, mm-hmm. to your Amazon account or just scan it or something. Yep. And I'm just pushing things around, and as I put the items in my cart, it scans them, and then you just walk through this little like portal thing at the end that it makes a noise and charges your card, and you're yep. good to go. Pretty, pretty cool. I think. Half of that is people go for the novelty. Um, what I think happens with a lot of this kind of tech and automation in a way is I feel like it's software engineer people who don't want to interact with people. 
because my big concern about a lot of this is you're going to make it where people don't interact at all because, oh, like right now, what I could do is I could literally just Uber eats everything to my house or, you know, do all this stuff to where I never have to leave. If I like was doing remote work, people would just be an isolated box. And my big cons- the reason why I think like, at least in the US, this hasn't occurred in Europe, it has. Um, everyone still goes online for, cl- uh, everyone goes in store for clothes almost still in the US. Like in, um, and like s- countries in Europe, they've actually automated it, automated it where you just order online. So like, let's say you need a pair of jeans. You just order it online, it comes to your house. But at least for clothing in the U.S., now maybe it's because of some cost. Maybe it's because, you know, we're just slow to change. Like big corporations are weird. They're very fast to change, and then they're very slow at the same time. Um, We might just be the case, like, we still prefer to go indoors. We still prefer to shop. Like for all the stuff we buy online, I still prefer to go indoors. Like I still prefer to go see the product and everything like that. Maybe it's just I have an old school mentality when it comes to all this. But I, I'm not believing the hype at the moment is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, I think technology in general over the years has always been making things easier, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that gets implemented, is the goal is to reduce friction, make it easier to shop. Now Instagram has a little shop now button yeah. next to the photo of someone wearing the shirt that you want to buy whatever, you know, they're trying to integrate it into the smart devices. So I think as long as technology is making life easier, but not replacing like the human touch, because I I agree with you, I think you always need, as humans, you need to be able to meet with people, interact with people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always going to be a need. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it tries to replace some of that with maybe robots and stuff. Um, But I think you're always going to need that. Yeah. So go ahead. What I want to see is get to and y'all may have seen this, you may not have seen this, but I want to eventually see us getting to like a scenario like in Ready Player One, that movie Ready Player One, mm-hmm. where there's a whole world outside of our own. Basically go into this world and be whoever you want to be. That's already here. Like, I mean, depending on what you mean, it's already here. Because well, there's whole games built around that. No, no, but I'm talking where you can actually live inside of this so world. So you're saying like the actual metaverse. Yeah, eat, buy a house, date, meet people. I, Eating part I, is the only part I don't know. Go ahead. Quite how that would be designed, but you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm just of the belief I don't think that's a good thing to go to. Not that it will happen. I don't think it's a good thing to go to, but I won't get into why I think that. Um, I think in a lot of ways, the U.S. is behind the times of different countries. So in an episode that we lost, unfortunately, we had somebody on who was supposed to drop for this week, but this one will drop uh, instead. This was going to be published a week later. Uh, we were talking to a guy... And one of the things that is very surprising, so you know drone tech, like how people would use a drone to deliver a package to you. And everyone was talking about this and, oh, it's going to be the next big thing, all this. It's gone basically nowhere. And that's because there's a lot of barriers for that technology to take foot, mostly because it's cheaper to have a FedEx guy just come to your door or UPS or the post office or whatever. It's cheaper here. Whereas in, I think it's Burundi or Rwanda. I I never looked it up. I should look that up sometime. Um, They actually use drone services for all medical deliveries. Because like, for instance, with insulin, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, you need this to go from this spot here. And the terrain is too difficult for a proper road system. And uh, most of sub-Saharan Africa, the reason why there's not a proper infrastructure is it's a continent where you have a plateau on a plateau on plateau on plateau and then you add in all the thick jungle there's obviously different deserts not in Rwanda or Burundi but it's it's not as easy to um, say in the U.S. where you can just get on the road go from A to B that's very easy in the U.S. it's probably the easiest country in the world to do that whereas 
in that country, it's cheaper to take the drone to go from spot A to pot B. And also you don't have to worry about like regulations as much because, you know, you're not worrying about hitting other air traffic or, you know, there's helicopters. You got to deal with all this other stuff. Whereas in the United States, because as I said, it's super easy to go from spot A to pot spot B. It just doesn't make commercial sense. And then there's other factors like um, most of sub-Saharan Africa, when they got introduced to uh, money, proper like money and the average person had it, they had cell phones. Everyone in sub-Saharan Africa has a cell phone basically. And what they decided is mobile pay. So they completely skip checks. They completely skip credit cards. They're all using mobile pay because that's what they were first introduced to. So there's a matter of like sunk costs. Like you're used to doing it this way. And as a result, like people won't change. I know for me, when it comes to, sorry, when it comes to like gaming, I don't like to, I play the same games because that's what I got used to. And it's a lot of effort, especially now that I'm in my middle 20s, to sit down, learn a new game, learn all this stuff. I don't want to do that. I would just like to go into something I know I'm good at and just excel. That's my issue with these technologies and everything. Like, I think the problem is it's going to be a lot slower to adapt. I don't know if they're ever going to make it cost effective. And I, I'm still skeptical on the efficiency. So imagine back before smartphones mm-hmm. and have, you know someone living in this world where they have a TV, they've got TV player, tape player, whatever it mm-hmm. is, and you tell them, hey, we're going to make a device that allows you to do all this from one screen on the go, wherever you are. Someone back then would say, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That price would be so high and you would never be able to adopt that. You know, yep. or People would never adopt that. So that's kind of where I see we are right now with the future tech. We're still in that early adopters phase. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the, I guess it's the hype cycle or I forget which curve it is, but essentially, you know, you have the different phases of products. Yep. Um, and so early adopters are using things right now, but we haven't got it into like the, uh, you know, a big portion of the mm-hmm. market yet. And so most people right now would say, oh, that's, that's impossible. But I, I think it's coming. I just don't know how soon uh, some of those VR things. My, I, I still am of that position that there's a lot of tech that sounds crazy, and you're absolutely right. Like cell phones is probably the most, the most, the biggest example of saying, oh, your calculator, your notebook, your this, your that, the other. Like it's made the office space so much cheaper because, like, it's basically made printing completely out of business almost. Like you don't need to print right. things nearly as much as you need to. In fact, I only use the print the office printer for one thing, and that's because they want a physical thing when you deliver the sample. And that's changing because we're switching how we're doing that. So I definitely agree with you. I think the issue is with this kind of tech, like especially AR and VR. I I'm a little concerned that I don't I don't see the apparent application. And I could be completely wrong. I'll be fully honest. Like I'm probably wrong on these things. It's just a matter of like with the cell phone. I believes it when I sees it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think there are enough applications developed yet. Yeah, or just yeah. practical use cases. It's too clunky. It's too, you know, probably crashes. Some of them you have to have a big cord wired into your computer. So, still in an early stage. Yeah, because the big thing with Facebook is, you know, they're they're trying to get big into VR, and I was like, okay, so Facebook's user base, not Meta. Facebook, the you know the the umbrella, of, you know the the subsidiary of Meta, is they're trying to say we want to go big into virtual reality, and I'm like, they're going after people who really can't be outdoorsy, you know, they can't really go out and see other people, and it's very difficult to do long distance travel. So they're saying, okay, well let's develop VR for them, and I say, okay, these are also the people that still would prefer a typewriter over a computer. You're telling me the people who literally need a lesson how to change the brightness on their screen of their phone are going to use VR? As it's currently positioned, you're absolutely correct. It's clunky. Um, Even a lot of early adopters don't like using it. Because I think like tech like the Kinect proved that this tech is nowhere near ready to go. 
the Xbox Connect. For those of you wondering, it absolutely destroyed one of my favorite uh, video game series, sub uh, sub series of a video game franchise. But I won't get into that because I'm still too salty about <laughs> it. Oh, it ended the whole thing. It'll heal. So annoying. No, it won't because it's absolutely the best part of that entire franchise by far. Um, but anyways, I I Star think Wars Connect. No, they made a Connect game, and that killed Is it this Star that's... Wars Connect. No, 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 no. no. But well, you could be the Jedi. Anyways, um, RJ, do you have any questions for our guest? I don't. I don't. Um, actually, before before we close it out, though, because um, I just thought of it. We talk about the VR. We talked about the uh, augmented reality and all this stuff. But if you were to look in the future, if there was one technology that doesn't exist now, but you wish could, what would it be? So one that I would like, I don't know. I think there's early uh, research about it, and there may be some ways to do it, but not very successfully right now. I would like to have essentially completely wireless charging where things are just you know, a way to have battery life that doesn't die. So you're never having to plug things in. You know, it's just things just work. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's something that came to the top, top of my head. Probably not the most useful long-term technology, no, but... I think it'd be pretty useful. You, never need to, you would never be somewhere where your phone would be dead. It's just always charging, like as you're just walking by, it always stays at 100%. Right. One thing I was thinking is I've seen people developing Wi-Fi or wireless charging, like where it charges through um, cellular signals and stuff. It actually passes a charge that way. But I'm not the the science guy, so I'm not sure how that would work. Oh, that that's when you get into wavelengths and frequencies. And I'm not physics, so I'm not getting into that. Oh, you're not physics. Okay. No, 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 no. So, John, same question. Uh-huh. What what technology would you like to have that doesn't currently exist or that you're not aware currently exists? So, I would be interested in biotech, but that's a whole thing in and of itself. We'll do an episode on that. We will do an episode on that. Definitely. Because um, I'm... Okay, so let me give a little bit of an example of what I mean. So... I am what's called a biotech optimist. So I'm not a tech optimist. I am still very skeptical of many things in tech. Biotech, on the other hand, I, I see we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. So real quick example. Physics went from discovering of you know electrons, protons, neutrons in the early 20th century to making the atom bomb. You know, 40 years that happened. That's insane how fast it is. And then you get nuclear power. And then you think about flight. Well, we went from the first flight being a couple seconds. You can debate on who did it, but it happened at the beginning of the last century. And then we just put a rover on Mars. We are doing the same thing that physics did for the 20th century. The 21st century is doing that for biology. So we're doing things where you have the Human Genome Project where they knew uh, the specific code or language of the genome we're at 99 percent, or i think we finally got the last bits but all the important stuff was done in that original 2003 uh government project that was accomplished uh under budget and before it was actually supposed to complete two years ahead of schedule nice yes and it involved every major country in the world uh had some input on it in terms of where it's going from there, so then you have that. Well, then you can go and specifically look at this particular disease. Okay, so let's say diabetes. Well, you can then say, okay, we know exactly how diabetes is being formed based on the person's genes. And so then you can say the new technology that's going to come up is there's a couple different ways you can target this. Where you can say, one, you're going to literally, using CRISPR or other things, you'll be able to go in and edit the currently existing cells. So cells are the individual components of the organ, of the pancreas, and make it where they produce insulin. So for people that have type 1 diabetes, they would never need insulin again. Or number two, you'll be able to take a cheek swab of the person, uh, grow 
a pancreas from the stem cells. So you take the cells on the cheek of the person, convert them into stem cells. Those will then grow into a version of that person's pancreas that's brand new. So like a 20-year-old pancreas, basically. Put that in. There's no issues of tra- of rejection because it's that person's cells and everything. Mm-hmm. And like think of like a car, how you have to change out parts every so often. That's what will happen is that kind of stuff will be going on, at least in biotech. So I won't get into more specifics because mm-hmm. I need to contact somebody because I really want her on because we're, 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 that's all we talk about. And RJ is just going to sit there and go, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So you and I, you and I have discussed this potential. I need to contact project. her. I need to contact her. Like months ago, we discussed this a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um. Okay. I need. I mean, let me I, contact her. I I want to get a couple videos on the channel first, but I I, I want to contact her to see if she's going to come on. Yeah. Okay. Because I think she'll come on. I think she will. Okay. And you'll just be okay. sitting there happy, like yeah. Okay, she's in her sixties. No, forties, 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 forties. She can be pretty in her forties. She's not your type. She's the chair of uh, some place that I don't remember. So she's smart. Extremely. And uh, she's not my type. Exactly. That's why I'm saying she's not your type. Um. Anyways, uh, I would like to thank you so much for having you on. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, I can't hear you, Seth. Can you hear him, RJ? Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. So where can people right. find you? You can go to sethneds.com or you can go on YouTube to Business Technology Made Simple. Mm-hmm. That's my channel name. Um, Instagram, Facebook, all of them have the same name. So. Okay, perfect. I will have his YouTube linked. I will have his YouTube and website linked below. Thank you all so much for watching. We will see you all next time.